Hey guys, it's George Camel, co-host of The Ramsey Show. We hope you had an amazing Christmas, and now you've got some downtime to unwind, get organized, and catch up on your favorite podcast before the new year. For this week's episodes, we wanted to try something a little different. So we've taken the most popular segments in The Ramsey Show history and created a limited series just for this week called The Best of The Ramsey Show. That means you'll hear some of our wildest, most inspirational, and possibly weirdest calls. In this episode, we'll cover toxic money myths, investing for the future, and how to talk to your kids about wealth. These are some of my favorite moments from the show, and we think you're going to love it too. Enjoy. Nathan is in Richmond, Virginia. Hi, Nathan. How can we help? Hi, how are you doing? Better than I deserve. What's going on? Okay, so here's what I got going on. Um, I'm 25 years old. I'm getting money from my father who recently passed away. Mm. It's going to be over $200,000. I'm not the best in money management. I've heard the saying, it takes money to make money. Should I invest this money into a business? Should I save this money? What should I do if I want to become a millionaire by the time I'm in my 30s? Mm. How long ago did your dad pass away, Nathan? Um, He passed away a couple months ago. I'm sorry. Y'all close? Um, we were pretty close. He had dementia and Alzheimer's, so I didn't see him um, too often because he was in a assisted living facility. Sure. Um, and I lived across the country, so he was in Arizona with my sisters, and then I lived over here in Virginia. Gotcha. So you're getting $200,000 cash? It's not over that. It, it is just over that? Yeah, I'm not sure of the exact number. But I mean, it's, it's just it's, it's not it's not on a piece of property or something else. It's just a, it's a investments or cash that's going to come to you liquid that you're going to be able to do whatever you want to do with it. Yes, like my brother's going to hand me a check. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, what do you make a year now? So a year, I make around I'd say thirty five thousand a year. Okay. All right. So here's what I would tell you. Um, you're calling very wisely to start to gather some wisdom about something you don't know anything about. You have never driven a car before, and someone just gave you car keys, right? Correct. And you you go, well, I, I hear these things go fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, right. uh, you know, that, that and yet if you remember the first time you got behind the wheel of a car, uh, it was both freeing because you could now go places and control your own destiny, and it was uh, terrifying. And if you don't have both of those feelings with this process, you're not wise. Right. Okay. So uh, I'll start with it takes money to make money uh, is not a true statement. That's a statement that uh, broke people say as an excuse okay. to not become broke people. Can okay. you make money using money? Sure. But actually, the vast majority of people who build wealth do not build it because someone handed them $200,000. They build it because of their habits and their character. Okay. So that's you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to just, what I, number one, I tell you to do is just slow way down. Uh, I would want you to move along the spectrum from exciting to boring over towards boring. Your job is to manage this money. Your job, as if it's someone else's money and you're managing it for them, your job first is not to lose it. Your job second is to maximize it. But most people, when they get handed the keys to the car, step on the gas 
and mean, meaning they they think their job is to maximize it and they end up losing it. So people, yeah, people that end up in your situation, get money, lose it very often because they make the mistake of, they think it has to be exciting. It has to be sexy. It has to be wild. It has to be crazy because if I don't maximize it, I'm doing something wrong. It takes money to make money. We all know that. And so I'm going to invest it over here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this wrong. Slow down. Number one rule, Nathan, don't put money in something you don't understand. Don't put money in something someone else tells you is a good idea and they sound like they're really smart people. Around the money business, and I've been around it 40 years, there are a lot of enthusiastic ignoramuses. They okay. mean well, but they're dumber than a rock. And they're excited and about and they're excited about their stupidity. And they will put you in stuff. True. They'll put you in stuff, man. And all your broke friends also got an opinion already, don't they? Yeah, and here's another piece, too. I started a meat company, but the thing about it, when I started this meat company, it's not my passion because I was so money-hungry to where I let money kind of consume my mind of, oh, I need to make money, I need to make money, I need to be this by the time I'm this age. Yeah. And I chased things that weren't my passion. And then I realized as I got into it, I'm like, shoot, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, so let me, let's me let take a couple things. Number one, we can work on your career, and that would be a good use of a little of this money if it got you into your passion. I'll hand off to Ken in a minute and let him work on that, okay? But then thing two, uh, here's a rule. If you were to invest this money and not touch it in good growth stock mutual funds, and if it made 10% rate of return on average, in seven years it would double. You would have 400 and you would be, what, 29 years old, right? No, how you said you're 25? 25, yeah. Yeah, okay, so you'd be 32 years old. In, five, in seven more years, it would double again, and it'd be 800000 And in seven more years, it would double again, and it'd be a million six. And that is a boring, never-touch-it investment program. You're probably not going to do exactly that, but I want a little of that in the formula here, my brother. Okay. Where you go have a life and you pretend you don't have this money and you let it grow and double and grow and double and grow and double. And so here, my, my last piece of instruction before Ken helps you on the career side is uh, I want you to go to Dave Ramsey or to RamseySolutions.com and click on SmartVestor. Sit down with a SmartVestor Pro and they will teach you about mutual funds and then you can decide how much of this needs to go into your career changes and how much of it needs to go into mutual funds and that, that just sit there and just double. So Ken? Yeah, real quick question here. Is the meat company that you started, is that what's getting you the thirty five thousand dollars a year? Yes. All right. And so you don't want to do that. What do you want to do? I know you got some ideas or one clear idea. What is it that you really want to do? So I really want to do fitness. Um because even in the times when I was at my lowest, I always stuck to it. Yep. And it seems like it was like introduced to me. Great. You know, at a young age. So is that, uh, is that a fitness coach, trainer? Is that what we're talking about? So I want to compete in shows and I want to launch. Um, I want to be able to get a following through the Instagram and be able to launch a business online and help people um, reach their fitness goals okay. via online. Because everything is online now. Sure. Um, and also, you know, even in person, but doing it online, it gives you that, that sure. freedom to do the travel. And All right. Still help so people out with their goals. Let me make sure I heard this right. You want to be a fitness competitor and then eventually develop some type of online and in-person training business. That's a two-parter. Am I right? 
Yes. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm going to caution you on this. Being a fitness competitor is a whole different ballgame. We only can make money when we win. So if that's the first goal, you're going to need a day job. So you got to sit down and go, now, what's the best strategy? Here's what I would challenge you to think through. Um, I would. You're clear on what you want to do. That's stage one of my seven stages. Stage two is get qualified. So you need to answer the question, what is it that I need to do to get qualified to train people online. Now, online, there's no technical qualification. You just got to have good content that people say, all right, I'm going to watch this guy and I'm going to train the way he trains. But if you want to do it one-on-one, there's some qualification that you need. How much is that going to cost you? How long is that going to take? We're going to have to have a day job still in all of this process. So if you got the meat could company, could be a personal trainer. Could be a personal trainer is where I would go into. So get qualified to do that. Get in the proximity. That's it. Start doing that and then compete. And any money we make competing and the online business, it's going to grow over time. I would get in the field, work for a gym, um, and have somebody else pay you to do the training so that you can move from meat company into this job and not interrupt the income because Dave, we don't want him to touch yeah. this two hundred thousand. Nathan, I want you to qualified. I want you to take twenty four thousand of the two hundred thousand and set it aside for a year's worth of two thousand dollars a month. Yeah. I want you to pay yourself out of a little savings account two thousand dollars each month for one year. During that year I want you to develop a real group of uh one on one personal training clients that pay you well and you use that money to eat with. Hey folks, Dave Ramsey here. There are moments in life we don't want to forget, like your kid's graduation or the once-in-a-lifetime trip. For the big moments, the everyday moments, and everything in between, every dollar is there to help you budget for all of it. It's the simple budgeting app that helps you plan, save, and spend for the important things. Budget for the life you really want, every moment of it. Download the app or check the link in the show notes to create your free account today, every dollar. So, Ken, this is an interesting and distressing part of our world today. We did at Ramsey a couple of years ago the largest, by far, airtight research, the largest study of millionaires in North America in the United States of America, ever done. All the details. Where do they come from? What do they think about? Did they inherit their money? What are their careers? What's their marital status? What's their race, creed, color, whatever? Everything we could figure out and trying to find and trying to figure out, okay, what does it take to become a millionaire in America today? A millionaire is a million-dollar net worth. For those of you that don't know, it's not a billionaire. A billion is a thousand million. It's a lot more. Mm. If you have $3,000, you're closer to being a millionaire than a millionaire is to being a billionaire. That's an example. So it's not, it's not private jets and seven cars. Okay? That's not a millionaire. A million dollar net worth is not that much. It, it, but it is more than most people have. There's about uh, 17 million millionaires in America. And that's what you own minus what you owe equals your net worth. Your assets minus your liabilities is your net worth. So if you have no debt and you have a million dollars in your 401k, you're a millionaire. Okay? That's simple. That kind of a thing. All right. So we post on Instagram yesterday, and this is what is societally distressing, that from this study, not a feeling that we have, We didn't ask your broke brother-in-law his opinion. 
We ask real millionaires, 10 freaking thousand of them, who they are, where they come from. And one of the many conclusions we drew from this was the top 10 career fields yeah. that we found according to frequency within the study. So who, what career field did we find most often, second most often, and so on. The most often we found was engineer. The second was an accountant or CPA. The third was teacher. The fourth was management. The fifth was attorney. So not even making the top five is medical doctor. By the way, there were six. Number six. But they were, they're were not even in the top five. And we post that on there. And Instagram and Facebook proves once again that humanity is full of morons. I mean, if you read comments after articles or comments after posts like this, you understand why some species eat their young. People are dumber than a rock out there. Oh, yeah, a lot of mouth breathers. Some of you listening are dumber than a rock. Yeah. I mean, I never heard. I, this is ridiculous. So here's the thing. Okay. We've done detailed scientific research that proved that the sun is hot, and we post it yeah. on Instagram. The sun is hot. Yeah. Some of you morons will disagree with that Yeah. just because you think you have a right to. And you should really stop before you post something because it makes you look stupid. Okay. Was that unclear? Well, I felt, probably like you, I, I, I felt like you could have had a little bit more enthusiasm for what you were saying. I, I felt like it <laughs> felt like it lost a little fervor. No, I think you're absolutely right. This is data. And you know, it's funny is like people, they want to argue like we're duping people. Yeah. Like, well, we're just saying yeah, this to right, be Yeah, right, Dave Ramsey. Teachers aren't really making that kind of money. Not where <laughs> I live. I'm a teacher. Teachers can't be millionaires. Right. No way teachers can be millionaires. No teachers should be on there. Where are the nurses? Where right. are the nurses? Right. Well, you nurses get your button gear and I guess you'll make the dadgum list. Oh my gosh. Well, what they're missing, what these brilliant mouth breathers have forgotten in this post is that it has nothing to do with the salary. It has everything to do with the way they live. Now, engineers certainly can make way more money than a teacher, but it is they have lived on less than they make. They have saved. They have invested. They've walked a clear path. The baby steps, they're baby steps millionaires. And that's what they're missing here. They think, oh, well, I know what a teacher salary is. You guys are just making this stuff up. Now, As if you're the, into clickbait. Let me tell you what all five do share in common. All five professions are systems people. That's right. They all work systems. Yep. Teachers work a, a teaching plan. They have a lesson plan. Yep. They work a system. And they, 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 if they, somebody gives them a lesson plan, they don't go make up their own. Yep. They, they follow the lesson plan. And engineers, they don't, they don't make up their own thing. The bridge would fall. That's correct. They have to follow the system. They have to follow the processes. Attorneys have to follow a process called the law. You know, you don't get to make it up. You have to actually adhere to a process. All of these people adhere to processes for a living, and they take that same part of their personality and they apply it to their money, and voila, they become a millionaire. So what is the data on teacher income? Well, right now, the median income in the United States is $60,000. So now, before some of you folks start firring shots at me on that, I said median you know what a median Does is? Does anybody know if what the median is? If you had been in a good is? teacher's class, you would have known. It's your law of averages. You just run your averages. So there's no certainly... average is different than median. Yeah, I know. But I'm just <laughs> saying, if you if you look at the, across the board of what the median salary is for a teacher, it's 60. Now, that means in some districts in the United States, like, for instance, I got a friend who's teaching high school in New York, uh, upstate New York. He's making over six figures. So this is across the board. You look at the median, and now we go, okay, 
uh, this is what we're looking at in the United States. But again, it is about how they live on less than they make. It's not. This study wasn't pointing to how much they make. It was how much they keep. And by the way, there is one other correlation between all of these millionaires. They love their work. Yeah. High let's correlation. Not, let's let's not 80 percentile that. range. 80 percentile. They love so let me, let me help you with this. If you invest from age 30 to age 65 in a decent growth stock mutual fund, 15% of $60,000, you'll have $4.8 million. Yeah, there it is. Now, you can also fire off a bunch of comments about that, but that was math. You don't really get to negotiate with math. Yeah. That's how math works. It just is or it isn't. That's right. You don't get to make up your own yeah, version. That's not an opinion. And so if that's so if one if you only are one fifth as good as we teach. Right. I mean, five million bucks, right. four point eight million. Right. Okay. You would still have one million dollars. Right. And, and from age thirty to age sixty-five. Jeez. So, but Dave, that's all too clear cut and simple for the keyboard warriors. There's got to be more complexity. They've got to tear it apart. It's got to be a game, uh, and that's unfortunate. That's the sad part. The sad part is is that we have a portion of our culture now who, rather than fix their life and address the person in the mirror's deficits, instead wants a narrative that declares them a victim. There it is. That can't possibly be true, Dave, because if that's true, I could do it. If, if, you're, if your study it. was accurate, well, what do you know about my study? You just, you just... If your mouth was shut, you wouldn't be making noise. Oh, my God. But, Dave, Jeez. they're mouth breathers, so the mouth can't be shut. Seriously, people, you really should abstain from the comments <laughs> section, reading them or commenting on them. Oh, my gosh. There's a reason that you and I both get so visibly frustrated with people that have a victim narrative mm -hmm. and insist on spreading their victim narrative. We know from having worked with thousands and even millions of people that most anyone that follows a proven process can go get a great job, can get out of debt and build wealth, can have a good marriage. We know that people that, are, that choose to control their behavior in spite of the negative influences from the outside, in spite of bad things having happened to them, and we all have challenges, but in spite of the challenges, we know that people can create for themselves, carve out for themselves a good life if they bother. When someone posts a negative narrative that says, oh, teachers can't do it, then someone believes that, or you're in an echo chamber with a bunch of people that says teachers can't do it, then, God help us, teachers believe they can't do it. Yeah. And we know that that's not true, and you've then limited someone's belief and someone's future, and you've brought harm to them. And we love people, and we love people that so much we want them to win, and yeah. anything that keeps them from winning, including you Debbie Downers out there, mm -hmm. we're, you're going to be at the tip of our sharp tongue. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And let me just say this, as much as we, we'll take shots at people that, that uh, are constantly negative and cynical, I, I do Even feel Even you great, could do it if you'd I, quit doing that. I feel sadness over that, because, because you've bought, in some form or fashion, a false narrative. You have had some bad stuff happen to you. Maybe somebody did something. Maybe you made a mistake and you did something dumb. That doesn't disqualify you from being a victor. I've never read a biography in my life, and I've read a lot of them. 
where the the story, the person in the story that we're reading about always did everything right, had no hardship, had no self-inflicted wounds, had no disadvantages. So uh, I absolutely agree with you. We get fired up on this because we're in the business of hope. We're in the business of giving people hope that they can be who they're supposed to be. They can do what they want to do. Um, and yeah, it, it, it really makes me angry when people just go, nah, that's all a pipe dream. And uh, yeah, it irritates us. And, and we live in a world today where people really are influenced, shockingly, by, by the a negative. comment in by a comment negative. section. By the negative. Yeah. And yeah, the that's negative, why the it negative, fires the negative, us up. The negative, the negative, Good the grief. Negative, Here's the my negative. deal. If you really believe that, then why do you feel like you got to share that with everybody else? I mean, you, you have the right to believe and say, and I will always fight for liberty, to say and be negative and a Eeyore, if that's what you want to be, great. But don't bring it around the rest of us. Yeah, old country saying, if you ain't got something nice to say, why don't you say nothing at all? I mean, life is too short. A pastor to be, friend of mine used to say, if ugh. it's not helpful, hopeful, or promotes healing, <laughs> you don't need to say it. That's good. Yeah. If it's not helpful, hopeful, or promotes healing, yeah. you don't need to say it. Yeah. And... um I, I can I could take to that advice occasionally too. I just called a whole bunch of people stupid. So, but I think that might have been healing though. I think it was. <laughs> it was. It was a little therapeutic for both of yeah, us. Yeah, me and you were healed right. by it. <laughs> Lauren's with us in Richmond, Virginia. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Thank you so much for taking my call. God bless you. I love what you do. Thank um, you. Love what you do. Well, how can we help? <laughs> um. Um. We are a happy, happily married couple, 25 years, um, just about to be empty nesters, um, and we feel like we have missed the financial boat, uh, so to speak. We, um, we started out uh, ready to invest around uh, 2001 when the tech crash happened, and uh, so we uh, didn't invest in the stock market and things like that because we were concerned. We were just saved up enough money and we're getting ready to invest when the 2008 real estate crash happened. And again, we pulled back and did not invest. So we just stayed put and we just kept saving. And now all we hear is cash is trash and uh, the American dollar is in trouble. Um, and we don't, we feel like we have missed the boat and we're concerned now uh, that maybe we missed a way to help us retire. How much do you um, have in savings? Uh, two million dollars. Okay, I'm 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 absolutely amazed. And so all of this money is just money you put in there because you've never really made any money on your money. No, we've hardly made any. We have self-laddered CDs and, and done some bonds, but yeah, we, uh, basically we, your rates of return have sucked, and you still put two, got to two million dollars, and and, and yeah. you're still afraid to invest. Yes. Okay, but you have $2 million. So how did you miss the boat? Yeah. How big <laughs> um, a boat were you wanting to get on? <laughs> I was going to say, that's no, a great no, boat. I'm, I'm, okay, but we're just, we don't know. Now that our kids' stuff has been paid for, college and things like that, we just never took any time to do anything or plan for us as much as just keep our head down and work hard and now we picked our head up. And yeah, but, we're what, like, but what okay, boat we, did you miss? You missed out on a bunch of returns that you could have had yes. four or six million instead of two million, but you still have don't two million it, dollars. So it. I don't think we can okay. really cry a river here. Okay. But when you say four or six million, that makes me really sad, but I there's no way to fix the past. No, all you can do is think about the future. Okay. So okay. Uh, let me pair it back to you what you said to me. 
Every time you got up the courage to invest, you found a negative story somewhere that caused you to not do it. Fear. Yes. Yes. And now your new fear is the American dollar is going to pot. That's your latest one. Yes. That's your latest one. Yes. And uh-huh. have you noticed that your other two fears didn't come true? Yes. I don't like roller coasters. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, but the roller coaster, even even with the roller coaster, you wouldn't have lost all your money. You would not have been broken homeless. Uh, That the 2008 real estate crash actually had almost, I mean, uh, and the stock market crash, it came back and, you know, it went all the way down to 6,300 and it's at 30,000 Dow today. And so, you know, you missed out on all of that. Yeah, it's a ride, but... You know, you're going to either uh, not have, you know, if you had ridden the roller coaster, you, you know, you might have had $8 million. Yeah. And so yep. even if the roller coaster screws up, it's got to really screw up to be, to end, to end up with nothing. You follow? Yes. And so I don't think that. I personally am not of the belief that America is coming to an end. She's got her problems. We have a whole truckload of idiots on in both sides of the aisle in, in uh, D.C., and thank God it is not up to them. It's up to people like you and me out here that get, actually get things done as to how this nation runs and whether this nation works and whether we learn to treat each other with some respect out here. Uh, and, yeah. and so... You know, this all this craziness on the news cycle is just out of it's just nutty everywhere. So, but all of that said, I don't think that. I, well, I'm sixty. I'm older than you, and I have one hundred percent of my retirement in mutual funds, um, and a whole bunch of our wealth more than that in, uh, in in real estate that I paid cash for. Because I think in both cases they are going to go up in value dramatically more than CDs will go up. Mm-hmm. Now, are they going to go straight up? No, they go up and they go down and they go up and they go down. And can you stand the ride? So let me give you an exercise mm-hmm. or two, okay? Because here's the thing. Okay. There's two kinds of fear. There's fear that keeps you from touching a hot stove or playing in traffic because those things will get you hurt. That's good fear. It protects you. The other fear is false evidence appearing real. Okay. And that's the fear you've been operating on. And, and I know yeah. that because, for instance, if you will pull up, a, 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 just go visit with one of our smart investor pros and ask them to show you some examples. Don't buy anything. Just go over there and start to learn. Ask them to show you examples of during these very volatile times, what did mutual fund A, mutual fund B, and mutual fund C do? And follow what they did and say, okay, had I invested in that, through what I feel like were very turbulent times, I don't like roller coasters. Quote, here's the roller coaster ride I would have signed up for. I think you perceive it to be the world's tallest coaster, and you're going to go, oh, that's kind of like the kitty park. When you actually look okay. at the actual history and the actual math. Listen, I don't like starting over. I went broke. I don't want to start over. So I'm not investing in stuff that's high risk either. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't like extreme volatility. I don't like high risk. I don't personally invest in any of those kinds of things. So I don't have money in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I don't play the roulette wheel in Vegas. I don't run up a bunch of debt 
trying to make money. I, I, I do very low-risk stuff, and so I think you need to learn about the historical data on some actual real mutual funds, and you will be amazed at how much less the risk was than your emotions are perceiving it. And I think that'll help set you free because here's the deal. You're going to be fine. You got $2 million. You're going to be fine. Congratulations. You're amazing. That was an amazing task that you've accomplished. But if you keep in mind this, if it's invested at 10% rate of return instead of one, it's going to double every seven years. So when you're 64, you're going to have go two to four to eight. Oh, and when you're 71, it's 16. If it's at 1%, it's not even going to go up a million dollars between now and 74, 71. So you're either going to have 2 million or 16 million between now and early 70s. Michelle's with us in Cleveland, Ohio. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Hi, Dave. I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Um. <clears throat> Twofold. I have, um, I got an ESOP distribution from, from a company that I worked for, and it's about 1.4 million mm-hmm. sitting in a Schwab account. It's in an IRA. Mm-hmm. And I'm, with everything that's going on, I'm afraid about having all my eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I are both retired. I'm 61, he's 67. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still have a mortgage and a home equity line of credit. Um, we don't have any credit cards. We're, we're debt-free in the credit cards. And up until last week, we had two paid-off cars, but an engine seized in one of our cars, so we had to go buy a car this week. Um, my question is whether to, given what's going on in the world and, you know, the Great Reset, I was just watching, I have Glenn Beck's book, and I was just watching your program that aired today. Um, I'm just a little afraid, of, obviously, of having all my eggs in one basket. And given what's going on in the world, if we should just take, I think there's about 160000 that we could take out in cash and just pay everything off. You should do that anyway, um, but not because yeah. of the fear of what's going on in the world. It's a smart financial move. You should, you should, me? You, you've got a million dollars. You should not be carrying around a home mortgage of a couple hundred grand. You ought to be paying it off. Okay. Well, that was that was my thought process, too. Yeah. Just take but the not, because, not because of the great reset, just because it's smart to pay off your mortgage. Okay. Okay. Then, and same thing. Um, that you're, never borrow money on a car again. You're a millionaire. Come on, girl. I know I was planning on paying it off next year. No, <laughs> how about just never borrowing on a car again? You're not a broke person. You're a millionaire. Now, with the rest of the well, money, with the rest of the money, what I would do is sit down with a Smart Vester Pro, click Ramsey Solutions, and click Smart Vester Pro, and find somebody in the investment business that can help you do a rollover and get that diversified across several types of mutual funds and give you a little more safety. Yeah, I'm with you. I would not have it all in one account, but I'm not sure what you've got with Schwab there necessarily. You may not really be in one account, but I'd be in several different mutual funds with that much money, and I'd be debt free. Put borrow money on cars. You're a millionaire. Janelle is in Cleveland. Hi, Janelle. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Hi, George. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. What's up? Um, my husband and I are 65, and our kids are 32 and 30. And I don't know when to tell them how much money we have. Now? Now? Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, the only reason I'm hesitating is because it's 1.5 million. Yeah. So uh, are they are they think, are they misbehaving? Oh no, no. Why no, do you why do you think this knowledge will bring harm? Um, probably the way I grew up. I didn't know anything about my parents' finances until I was, gosh, probably my dad died 55, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents just never talked about it. I never asked them. Right. I, um, yeah, lots of parents don't talk about money or sex, and then when their children grow up, they're surprised <laughs> to find out they had both. <laughs> well, they're both married, and my daughter is having a baby in about three days, so I think she knows about sex. <laughs> <laughs> one down, one to go. I wasn't talking about her sex. I was talking about <laughs> yours, but yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I think you sit down. Now, you know, when I had this conversation with ours, they were uh, just coming out of college. I didn't want them, I wanted them to have the maturity to be able to handle the discussion, the emotional and the spiritual maturity. And uh, we're a family of faith, and so the conversation started with this. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. And so the information I'm getting ready to explain to you is not uh, is not you hitting the lottery because you are not inheriting the money. You're inheriting the responsibility to manage the money for God. Mm-hmm. And that's how we started the discussion, and that's still how we have the discussion to this day. They've yet to inherit any money, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. but they know they know what our wealth is in detail, and they know exactly what's going to happen to wow. every penny of it. Uh, we have a big meeting once a year with our leadership team at our office and with our kids, and we go over yeah. the real every piece of real estate. We go over. Uh, you know, any of the wealth that is there and exactly how the will remind everybody how the wills and the trusts all work. Cause it's kind of complicated. And, um, you know, we just have a review of this and this is a transaction. So long ago, they got past the emotions of feeling like they hit the lottery. Well, I guess I'm wondering why, why, why do I, What's the purpose in it? Because you can teach them to have the proper spiritual and financial stance on this while you're alive. Otherwise, you don't know what the reaction is going to be. And if you get a negative reaction, you may want to adjust some of your inheritance. Mm. Okay. Because we, yeah, I just, yeah we don't leave pe- money to people in our family if they're misbehaving because we don't want to finance misbehavior with God's money. Oh no, no, I wouldn't do that. I know, either. but how but, about their, how about their son-in-laws or our son-in-laws? Same thing. If, it, listen, if it's going to affect the, if the information that this money is there is going to affect them, how much more do you think the money's going to actually affect them when it comes out of left field? And there's no time to emotionally process it. Oh, by the way, we're also processing the death of a loved one at the same time. Hmm. So the so you think the son-in-law should be included in Absolutely. That? They really? are at my house. They may, they're, they're, they're family. They, they're not necessarily going to actually personally get the money, but their spouse is. And so you dadgum right. And you get to speak to all of them. Uh, about what this means to you and and how we th- you think they ought to view this and that we're not going to allow you to feel like you, you can put co- push the car up into neutral because this is coming 
you know, we can have all kinds of good discussions and it's all kinds of teachable moments. Amy is with us in Dallas. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm doing great, Mr. Ramsey. And uh, Rachel, I have to say I love that you're on because I, too, like to spend a portion of my entertainment budget at the craps table. Yes! Even though Mr. Ramsey doesn't approve. This is not the way <laughs> to start out the call, Amy. I'm sorry. Like, Dave is I, uh, dying okay, right Amy, now. you just you started out in the hole, okay? <laughs> Amy, now you got to dig out. Could, Amy could have said conspiracy <laughs> theories, craps, or love is blind, and I would have been like, this is my girl. <laughs> I am on baby step seven. I am a, I'm, I'm 33 years old. Um, nice. I think I have a pretty good net worth of around 2 million. I don't, uh, so I hope I'm, I'm hoping I'm getting better on your graces. In spite of, in spite <laughs> but, um, of your problem with the craps. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but That's I'm fun. kind of just, um, so I, I'm an engineer. My husband's an engineer. We're very process oriented people. I just, we're just kind of struggling. Like we, we just read the legacy journey and like, you know, like what our next like goal should be. We really don't want to be landlords. No offense. That's okay. Um, it's not, I'm not offended, but, um, so, and now right now we're just, you know, we got pretty substantial raises this year. So we're going to make 30,000 more than we made last year. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just it, like, it feels like there's just more money coming in and we're like, you know, I guess we're just saving more. Yeah. Well, you're doing great. You've done such an amazing job. Congratulations. I mean, y'all are the everyday millionaire of, uh, or baby steps millionaire of. Both. Yeah. Sure. The, yeah, but sure. I mean, two I engineers, though. Baby step two. Yeah, two so engineers. Like, I mean, everything. You're like the classic textbook. But except the fact that you're 33. Yeah, way to go. Amazing. Yeah. Thank so, you. so your biggest problem is it, it, it's just um, you're, you're overwhelmed with prosperity in a sense. Right. Yes. And, and obviously we're, we're, we're Christians and, mm-hmm. and we give, and I, I even put in my budget random giving above mm-hmm. the, you know, 10%. Like, and so it's just, and now I just feel like there's just like our, our last goal was paying off our house. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there was like making sure mm-hmm. our kids college fund is set and we don't have to mm-hmm. touch it forever. And mm-hmm. but it's like, now what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, at this point, I mean, you really, we always say the three things you can do with money. You can give it, you can save and invest it, and you can spend it. And so you need to be doing all three of those. So I love that you upped your giving, because mm-hmm. uh, that's a big part of this, right? That you live like no one else, so mm-hmm. later you live and give like no one else, right? So uh, mm-hmm. having that flow out is going to be, it's going to be amazing, Amy. Like you're going to run into things and, Scott, and God's going to put things in your path that you didn't even realize mm-hmm. was there, and it's going to come up, and you're going to be able to write a check, or you're, you're going to be able to help someone in a significant mm-hmm. way, which is just so fun. And so you're going to get to experience that on a new level. Uh, and then, yeah, I think continuing to invest. So if real estate's not something that you're like, oh, you feel, you know, great about, or you guys want to do, um, obviously just even opening up a mutual fund, talking to a smart investor pro and continuing to, to put money in just investing, uh, is something that you could look at. But if you guys, I don't know if you have an interest of like, I don't know, you want to, I never know what you think Maybe about this stuff, trip. but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, okay, well, that's the spin category. <laughs> so, so, so I want you to up your lifestyle for sure. Yes, yes. yes. and y'all enjoy Which some of this. Maybe that's our problem. Okay, let me no, let me tell you. Let started. me tell you what's happening because it happened. To, it's happened to me years ago, um, and I watch it happen when I'm working with people hit these uh, the baby steps millionaires goals, and they get where you are. Okay, what happens is there's two things. One is you had this hard concrete goal, and it was the end of the race. And you broke through the tape and you're like, okay, I need a, I need a goal. Cause this feels like I'm just kind of floating out here. 
That's thing one that happens, this sense of disconnect, because you were so connected to and driven towards a goal, now there's nothing, and it's just floating, and that's very disconcerting. The second thing that happens is, and this is more pronounced than, than that one. That one you do get over fairly quickly just by getting another goal. But the second thing that happens is when you didn't, when you haven't been around this many zeros, you emotionally, it, it takes a little while to get used to it. I mean, I'll give you an example. Around here, I mean, the Ramsey organization is, is several hundred million dollars a year in revenue, and so we spend more on copier paper than I used to spend, than I used to make in a year, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, we spend more on coffee than some people make in a year, you know? I mean, it's just nuts just because of the scale, right? And it's hard to yeah. get used to, even today, and I've been doing it for 30 years, you know? So, But today, I look down at our profit and loss statement, and I see the bill for coffee. And I'm like, jeez, you know, and it, it's an emotional experience. I go, I'm a kid from Antioch, Tennessee. We spent that on coffee, you know, and it, it's just kind of weird. It's a, it's an emotional thing. So it takes a little while for your emotions to catch up with your math, for you to get used to buying something that cost 30,000 bucks and you don't even feel it, like most people buying a candy bar, okay? Mm-hmm. Because that's the position you're moving into. You're going to be able to go and buy an item or a thingy of some kind, a trip, a whatever, for your to, just to enjoy, just to consume. That is a large amount of money compared to the way you grew up, compared to what you've always been up to this date. But it's a small amount of money relative mathematically to where you are. And so you still have this like, oh, my gosh, you know. (laughs) And and so I I was with a guy. I'll give you an extreme example of that, okay? I was with a guy not long ago who made $15 million last year. He's he's killing it, okay? And actually would know his name if I said it, so I'm not going to say it. But but he drove up to my house in a car that cost 300 grand. And we were having this exact discussion because the car is freaking killer. It it's better an be. unbelievable car, <laughs> you know. And we're, but we're standing there looking at this, and he goes, man, I grew up in dot, dot, dot. And he goes, I can't even, I can't get my head around the fact that I just bought this car and I just drove it up here in your house. He goes, I feel like kind of dirty, like I did something wrong. And I went, well, let's do the percentages. 300 grand as a percentage of 15 million, Okay. It's like buying a $30,000 car if you made a million and a half, a $3,000 car if you made 150000 It's the same ratios. Right. So did you do something wrong? No, I didn't. You know, he, he's not out of line. It's a small – but people say stuff like, no one needs a car like that. Well, for him, it's like buying a biscuit. <laughs> you know? It doesn't show up. It doesn't move the needle. And so that's where it is with you. Your, your emotions are having that same kind of a thing. When you invest a large sum, give a large sum. I mean, the first time I gave $10,000 to something, my mind was blown. I was like, whoa, you know, and, and, and because it was the most I had ever done, and it was not an emotional amount I was used to. And so that's what you're experiencing. So expect to feel disconnected until you have a good goal and expect for it to be emotionally disconcerting for a little while as you lay out and say, we're going to spend X on enjoyment, we're going to spend Y on investing, 
and we're going to spend Z on yeah. giving. And you're going to increase all of those, and they're going to be uncomfortable. Yes. So, Amy, I would say, like, my husband and I, when, so we, we, all, we always kind of have a goal. We have a goal within a 12, 24-month period that we can hit, uh, whether it's a new car or we want to do, you know, a certain trip or, I don't know, so, Put it in a pool. Like, I don't know what it is. We, a house was a big one for us. So in 2019 is when we moved in. But that was a goal we had for years to do that. So so find the thing you and your husband, I, I'm assuming, I'm, I'm going to assume you're married. I think you said that. But yeah, sure. um, two, two engineers. That's right. That's right. Um, that you guys are excited about. Like have that goal that you're, it's, yes, putting money in a mutual fund, all of that. But that goal, it's there's still something energizing that you have to be able to shoot for. So find something that you and your husband agree, like, that's fun. Maybe it's building your dream home. Like, I don't care what it is, but there's something out there that you look at and you guys are continuing to work and be intentional. And then on the lifestyle side, I would I would force yourself, mm-hmm. force yourself to spend a certain amount of money every month just to get to, used to it because you can and you should be able to enjoy it too. That would and, be my advice. And on the generosity well, the above the yes, tithe. Yes. The generosity above the tithe should go up. All of these are going to be a little uncomfortable because it's your first time to play with numbers this size. It's emotionally like looking at the coffee line and going, what? All right, you guys, we hope you enjoyed this special episode and we'd love to know your thoughts. We want to know if you want more best of content like this. You can send your feedback to ask at RamseySolutions.com. That's ask at RamseySolutions.com.